0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Podcast. I'm your host, CalmSword, and I'll be joined in just a moment by Redrix and the rest of our community. Um, we've been growing uh, pretty steadily, and I would like to just apologize that there was a little bit of a longer gap between episodes. Um, we're going to try to rectify that, um, but sometimes life gets in the way. Um, but I can promise that this episode will will be Well worth the wait. It is. um, It's kind of a sensitive topic, so I want to give a a heads up right now um, that we will be talking about uh, tau relationships, tau uh, sexuality, tau uh, procreation, things like that. Um, This kind of stuff doesn't usually come up in regular Warhammer forty thousand conversations, and so, and I guess podcasts as well. So. Um, please, if, uh, you find, uh, these topics offensive in any way, or, or, or you, uh, you would prefer to, uh, just, you know, not think about this stuff, um, please skip this episode. Um, it's, it's not graphic, but, um, you know, everybody's different and, and these kind of, uh, these kind of topics deserve a, a yellow flag or, or maybe a red flag. So, um, yeah, uh, we are continuing a pace. We've got uh, two episodes out this week. Um, there have been more and more people coming onto the Discord. The Facebook, the uh, 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 Facebook for the podcast is up. We kind of bounced around between calling it Project Project Tao um, or uh, just podcast, and it was uh, it was determined that it would be kind of confusing if we also had Project Tao. So, um, so we'll be just going forward as podcast. Um, you, you can see uh, there'll be there'll be uh, an invitation in the description. Um, but uh, as ever, you can always come to the Discord and join us live. Typically, we're every Saturday, and um, and we have uh, we've had really really interesting discussions that they go on for for very many hours. So we can we can, kind of can't put them here on Anchor anymore just because they go for too long. It'll be longer than the episodes. Um, all are welcome, um, but on that note, uh, why don't we why don't we jump in? You're- Are you ready? Uh, yeah. Cool. You let me know.
1: Uh, uh, wait, wait. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's
0: <laughs> um. So this is a really interesting topic, and it's something to kind of speak 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 from the macro level uh, about romance, procreation, reproduction, Warhammer forty thousand. Obviously, there is nothing you're going to find in the codexes beyond like the fact that. Orcs are spores and fungus, and Tyranids are born out of something called the Norn Queen, and 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 so on and so forth at gestation pools and whatnot. But then you know you start getting into Black Library, and every author starts to take a stab at at this kind of taboo issue and you have to kind of you have to walk the line i mean it's 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 kind of pg-13 in that weird way that like can show abaddon like displaying these freshly severed skulls of his enemies but like if you talk too much about your feelings like people might get turned off so um so it's an interesting minefield for any author and every now and again you'll get you'll get like uh You'll get, like, a Graham McNeil, um, who writes about the Democulaba, um, which is this horrific, like, way that space marines make more aspirants. Um, and then you and then you get somebody uh, like Syphus Kane, who we were just talking about before, who, like, has multiple relationships with uh, with tech priests, inquisitors, and so on and so forth. Uh, even, I think, Ibram Gaunt. And Gene Steelers. Uh, that's true. Yeah, uh, and then gene, steal- gene stealers are actually probably the, the the race that gets spoken about the most, But since they they literally procreate through the gene stealer's kiss, um, which is not a kiss. It, it basically uh, forcibly violates you with its tongue and then secretes uh, its DNA into your body. Um, okay, but one of the things that I think that the Tau, again, the Tau are so unique in the 40k IP, and setting the thing that makes them unique is is that because they don't have they they don't have an internecine uh conflict going on i mean yes you have you have farsight but it's uh if anything it's almost like a, a if you want to call it a a war it's a cold war and and it's more like a, a distant faction that you don't know anything about that's out in the middle of nowhere and they don't interact with each other at all um not on, not on a fundamental basis in which there there is conflict. So amongst the Tao, you have this unique opportunity for writers to explore relationships, um, and and it has grown in the last twenty years to incorporate a lot of different perspectives and a lot of and a, and a lot of different ideas. Uh, and we'll start with uh, the one that probably everybody knows, since it's now an automatic take. Uh, in the codex, which is the bonding ritual. The bonding ritual is is there. There is, and 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 in many uh, definitions, they they specifically state that there is no real way to translate in this into a human concept. It's part family, it's part friendship. Uh, it's it's got there, there's there's clearly a lot of emotion connected to it. And what it what it is 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 that two individuals. Uh, or a group of individuals, but it it can be it can be just to effectively swear to one another, almost almost like um uh, the marriage vows uh, that you see a lot in like Christian or Jewish. Uh, those are the ones I know the most. Uh, ritualized weddings, you know, like they promise their lives and their deeds and their and their and and, the, and their futures basically to each other to further the greater good. And that's a really interesting notion because this, again, this kind of bleeds back into what we're going to talk to, to today in how the Tao view every decision that they make. On, on a cultural level, uh, on a spiritual level, on, a, on, on very much a personal level, the decisions that they make are to further the, the you know, you, we can convert the word greater good or Tao Va, uh, we can convert that into societal betterment. Because there is no destination for the greater good. The greater good is uh, is very much like enlightenment. You just you keep peeling back the layers, and there's always something else you can do. Um, and as we talked about in a previous episode, Tao don't even really view death as like an ending. Um, what it is is it's, it's a passing of the torch to the next generation. Um, and this in turn informs us about how they don't view. Uh, you know the 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 more menial jobs that let's say the Earthcast uh, does, or or the you know the the outpost jobs that the Aircast does. Uh, I mean, there are messenger pilots that conceivably spend years basically by themselves just flying around the uh, uh, the Commonwealth trying to just spread news. You know, like none of these jobs are considered a bad thing. It's it's what an individual does to further the greater good. And there's a lot of comfort in that, you know. Speaking from, you know, from a westernized culture, uh, I would say that one of the things that is so frightening about being alive in the real world is a sense of not knowing where your place is, you know. And, and life is effectively, you know, you go to high school, you go to college, you get a job. There's these cultural expectations that eventually you're going to whittle away all of the things that you do, all the pastimes that you have, and you will eventually come to the conclusion that, like, oh, this is what I do. And that, and the expectation, of course, is also married to prosperity. Like, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to be the best at this, and then I'm going to make all the money, you know? Um, and that leads to a lot of depression, and that leads to a lot of confusion, uh, that has that has been in Western. I'll I'll only speak from the culture that I know, which 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 has just led to hundreds of years of people uh, just people being confused. And when you think about the Tao, from a cultural perspective, they don't they just don't have that. They don't have that confusion. There's there's this there's a sense of settlement uh, or content settlement that the Tao each have in the function that they do. Uh, a ShaSo, for example, does not look down on a Shasla. Uh, a Shasla just has a different set of uh, responsibilities that a shaso has. But everybody goes through these ranks um, and then are determined by the community if you should conti- if you should progress. Um, but if you fail, there there has never been any mention of somebody uh, being dishonored or demoted, like the whole concept of being fired, has never come up in any any piece of uh, canonical writing uh, of the Tau in Warhammer Forty Thousand. So that that creates this really interesting soup, and and these individuals who who are in who are who are each making their path of trying to further the greater good, and, and we've talked about it a little bit, like with drones. Um, we've talked about it uh with uh with the alien species that have joined uh the Tau. Each everybody kind of starts realizing that we're all we're all in this together and we're all working to just make things better, whatever that means. And obviously that can get into some pretty grim, dark situations. Um, you know, you have people volunteering. There's a there's a great example on the SEPT uh Kissimien in the third sphere of EarthCast. Uh, scientists voluntarily letting themselves be infected with the gene stealer's kiss. And uh, in order to figure out what happens when, when this alien parasite takes you over, you know, um, that's pretty, that's, it's pretty rough, you know? Um, And, and obviously the expectations is, is that in the empire, you will be that person, Uh, excuse me, in the Commonwealth, you will be that person that will that will volunteer to do things to yourself or to other people uh in order to further the community um and that's why i always i, I always like to remind people the tau are grimdark they're just grimdark in a different way they're grimdark in a way that is is probably more frightening than like uh you know any of the primarchs fall to chaos where they were tricked or they were confused or they were trying you know or i mean horace literally was shown a vision of the future and he's trying to stop, in his mind, at least in the books that I've read, he's trying to stop the emperor because he sees you know, basically a, a rolling hellscape uh, that the galaxy will turn into if the emperor continues to rule. Um, and he's not wrong. So, But back to the Tao. So we have, we have this really unique society in the middle of nowhere on the eastern fringe. And the ultimate show, the ultimate sacrifice or the ultimate uh, representation of this willingness to to further the community and to embrace the greater good is to then bond yourself with another person. Um, now, the most obvious examples we have are fire warriors. I mean, it is a it's a tabletop war game, right? And uh, and fire warriors now just automatically come with this thing, and it improves leadership. Okay, um, but then in Black Library we have. Uh, examples of, especially in Broken Sword, everybody knows that Broken Sword's my my favorite uh, short story about the Tap. It's excellent. Um, and it shows that a water-cast envoy uh, bonds himself to a, a guevessa, a human, uh, a human helper. Um, and this human helper is a former Imperial Guardsman. And throughout the story, without wanting to give anything away if you haven't read it, uh, but this guardsman is really struggling with the decisions that he's that have led him to become a guavessa, and he is not sure of himself. And he does things that that are you know I mean he's fighting against the government that represents the majority of his species, and he's doing things that are you know what we would call heresy. You know he's never going to be able to turn back from what he's done, and he's really struggling with that. And this watercast envoy. Over the course of the book, uh, well, the story um, basically becomes very close to him and and recognizes that he's struggling through this uh, this kind of this 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 crisis of faith, and and so what he does is is that eventually toward the end he realizes like you know I'm going to I'm going to I'm I'm, I'm going to form a bond with this person and it's really lovely you know and and this this episode is going to touch on a lot of. Uh, Really, kind of touching aspects of the Tao, and this uh, and and the bonding ritual is definitely one of them. Now, now, okay, so let's let's take one step back, and 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 we'll talk about the fact that amidst all of these relationships, there is a high level of uh, we'll call it action being had amongst the Tao. Um, the number one example of this, uh, despite the fact that I find the source a little bit. Uh, contradictory uh, is between Farsight and Shadow Sun. Um, if this is an example of what romance is like uh, for the Tao, at least during the second sphere, um, which is when they met uh, about 250 years, 270 years before the the the, the current date, then relationships between individuals uh, is 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 fairly open, fairly common. Um, throughout their relationship, there's no mention of this it being taboo, and in fact, when you start looking into other uh, other sources, such as the book Black Tide, uh, you see that the Earthcast uh, have uh, have pair bondings, um, which are which are very clearly romantically based, uh, and then eventually result in children. And we'll talk about children in just a moment. But the it would seem that the Tao embraced the idea of uh, we'll call it sexual relationships uh, and then semi-romantic relationships in in a way that is uh, more obvious than their human counterparts. Um, and I speak strictly from you know a forty k in-universe standard. Uh relationships seems to be relationships seem to be a fundamental part of how Tao society exists. And I'll expand on this by saying uh, by bringing up the 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 individual bright sword, now, Brightsword is an acolyte of Commander Farsight. Uh, he was bonded to Farsight in the uh, in the earliest mentions of the uh, of his uh, uh, of his character. Um, obviously, it's changed over time, but I'm only going to talk about the Brightsword that existed uh, previous to the book uh, Empire of Lies. So, Commander Brightsword is an acolyte to Farsight, and he. He's studying under him, um, and then eventually the Shasso that is Farsight uh, bonds with, with uh, what conceivably uh, Brightsword, who was a Shasprey at the time. Um, and, then, uh, and then when Farsight disappeared, uh, Brightsword remained. When you learn about their relationship, it is because that they, they have bonded, you figure out that all commander level uh, Tau. Have have a basically have an intertwining of relationships with other fire warriors, as well as the caste system and aliens. Brightsword goes on to attack a planet called Nimbosa. and he does this uh, he does this kind of off the books. Um, and when the when the human colonists uh, try to defend themselves bright sword ends up massacring everyone specifically at a place called the call gorge. And he does this uh, and is then censored by the, by the, the upper, by the shots the, uh, the fire cast command he's brought back to Tao, um, where it's believed that the Malkla uh, ritual is performed uh, a kind of public shaming where your, uh, your sins against the community are kind of shown in front of everybody. And, uh, and then he's kind of put back to work. Uh, under the, I'm under the impression that the, the command structure, once they punish you, like you it, it's what punishment should be. You, you learn from your mistakes, and then you go back to work. Um, it's, not, it's not an execution. It's not imprisonment. It's, it's, uh, it's a lesson. But the thing about Brightsword, and I think that this is, this is why the teachings of Farsight are so, uh, d- let's use the word, dangerous is that he goes and he activates all of his relationships, his relationships amongst uh, the water cast, which puts him in touch with a group of uh, alien mercenaries. And, and, the, and it, it is a extremely diverse crowd of alien mercenaries that he draws. Uh, he picks up a couple of uh, sympathetic commanders who also feel the same way uh, that he does, that ultimately that the hu- humanity and the Imperium is, is almost like a disease that has to be burned away. And this is very much what Farsight believed. And he picks a planet called Estau. And on it, he starts basically building a coalition. And he does this through his personal relationships and his personal context throughout the empire. And this is very different from, I think, what regular people consider... Uh, like let's call it the status quo of how a military works. In the Imperium, if I want something done, I have to send a note to the administratum and let's hope that in my lifetime, they'll get to reading it and they will send me uh, a regiment or they'll send me uh, weapons, they'll, they'll, they'll give me what I need. Um, I then uh, go to my commanding officer or, or let's say the, the governor of a planet and then they ratify uh, my decision to do X, Y, and Z. It's all very, uh, it's all very by the book. It's, it's there's a lot of paperwork involved, um, and it's very and it's similar to what the real world bureaucracy of, of you know, modern day is. The Tao don't seem to have that. The Tao seem to operate entirely from a position of where your personal relationships can elevate the thing that you want to get done, and the closest thing that we have to to a, a representation of that in the real world is. Uh, world war ii japan where individual generals the army or the i mean the, the army and the navy were both actively uh, contentious with one another and didn't get along at all uh or we have the you know late 1950s like china where we have these warlords that are that are kind of they're kind of ruling china uh, in place of like a centralized government that comes later um not to make anybody have to go run to wikipedia but obviously 40k is drawn from real world history and so that's what the tau are like so how does that how does that get that and we're getting to procreation and reproduction but it's important to understand that the tau have a free flow of relationships amongst each other there is there is no indication that there's any kind of taboo uh, that that there there is no sexual restriction and that's something that becomes really important as we start getting into the fundamentals of how they reproduce. So, so as a quick recap, we've talked about how Tau don't have a restriction on their, let's call it their emotional relationships. And in fact, as a society, they rely on those emotional relationships to get things done. That can be between other Tau, um, but it can also be between other aliens. And this form of romantic and emotional relationships, all of it is secondary to the notion that they're all supposed, we're all supposed to be driving toward a greater good. Um, and it's an expression of uh, accomplishment to be able to bond with another person, because it would be like anybody in this room, if we bond together to get a job done, we're like united. And that's that's almost like a, a higher form of cooperation, right? But The notion that we have of like marriage, which basically amongst amongst again, amongst Western cultures, marriage kind of separates you a little bit from everybody else like you, you enter into a union with one other person. The Tao don't have that as a as a culture, Uh, if anything, a union between two or more people is driving toward uh, driving toward uh, furthering the community's goals. So. So now that we have that as like our foundation. Let's talk about reproduction. So what we know is, is that the Tau often have large families. And these families, uh, interestingly, don't necessarily grow up together. Um, in the case of uh, the the character uh, named Kais in uh, in the Fire Warrior novel that was the first novel for for the Tau, we know that Kais was born and uh, then was inducted into a crèche uh, um, that then grew him up into the into the warrior that he would become. This has kind of taken root in the community, as well as the uh, greater 40k lore community, the idea that the Tau just don't raise their children, um, that there's a, a coldness to it. And I think that that's been strengthened in, in the last Codex. Um, this idea that the tower a little bit more uh, like a colony of insects you know that they just like you're you're born into a role and and that's your role and, and then you die I am going to say that there there is more evidence that what it and this and this is the thing that makes the Tau so alien is is that they do have children they often have large families shadow Sun for example is one of uh, is one of th- a group of three sisters um, there are water cast examples of three seems to be a, a common number uh, in terms of how big a family is. And, and f- for me, I, I consider three, that's a, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty big family. Um, there are no examples, though, of like twins. There are no examples of nine kids. So three seems to be uh, kind of like the goal. And yes, they do have a, a creche uh, experience in terms of they are raised by the community. But there is no indication that that somehow uh, prevents a parent from having relationships uh, with their children or siblings having relationships with each other. Um, there's a great example in the first Tau Codex of uh, it's a, a, a Tau Seer, or uh, a year amongst the crew, and it's a collection of letters and communications between a uh, a, a water caste member who is studying the crew. Um, and he's writing to his sister, and it makes a lot of sense that a society that is it is that is as disjointed as the Tau. I mean, remember, uh, and we've talked about this in other episodes. Uh, the Tau do not have faster-than-light communication, uh, and if they do, it is prohibitively rare. Um, as in, like Shadow Sun has has an ansible, and it's it's a direct call, it's a direct line to Anva, and like that's it um so that would mean that everybody else relies on this uh, they're called messenger ships and you can you can learn about them in Battlefleet gothic but these messenger ships effectively are like uh, the pony express uh and and we have a really great uh episode that uh kane did about them that you can listen you, you can learn more about it but the society is dependent on basically what is slower than light communication and it's stretched across You know, 300 light years uh, initially. And then, of course, there's the third sphere and then the fifth sphere. Um, So it makes sense that you wouldn't want people to feel like they are then separated or splintered from the people that they grew up with. Um, And remember, the Tao are likely uh, evolved from a herd society. So community is like a really important thing for them. And we can see that through all of these Black Library and Codex entries, that brothers and sisters and and, uh, parents and children all actively try to stay in contact with one another. And and they find a lot of uh, meaning and importance in that. In fact, the relationship that Kais has with his father um, is is notably bad. And that seems to be an outlier. Like the fact that uh, Kais' father, uh, Kais, who, by the way, was a student of An uh and and died fighting against uh the Tyranids, I believe on uh near Borcon, Um the fact that Kais can't communicate with his father, and and the fact that his father can't communicate with him is something that other people comment on, like and and kind of take pity on both of them. Um so but again, we have to remove this idea of like when you th- when, you, when the typical human being thinks about their parent or thinks about their sibling, there's like, a, it's like, a, I'm going to relate it to like almost like a tooth, right? Like they belong, they belong, they're very close to you. They're, they, it's, it's a separate relationship that you have from everybody else. Um, and that person is, is vital, unique, special. Uh, the Tao have that feeling, except it is just secondary to their, their overall uh, need to better the community. And there's no better example of later on in that same book, Fire Warrior, uh, they talk about how the Tao have breeding programs. Now, everybody I think on the planet Earth currently, maybe in any historical age, is going to hear the word breeding program and immediately like go, "Oh God, they're like monsters," uh, <laughs> uh, or or I guess maybe like Nazis or something like that. Like the 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 idea behind a breeding program is immediately going to be frightening or disgusting, um, because the the notion of like okay like you know you have the best genes and, and they line up with this person's genes okay you go into a room and make a baby right um, immediately that that seems like uh, an the ultimate violation that a human being could experience you know, but if we think again that the Tao are both aliens and they exist. In a, a completely, you know, different type of universe with a completely different set of rules, um, and that, of course, that they are herd-based, then the idea of procreating, especially for the betterment of the community, is not that crazy. Like, it's not. It, 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 it would be just like this is something that I have to do. There's also indications that the town might not be. Uh, I use the term like in heat. Um, human beings, for example, can 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 procreate. Uh, whenever they want, uh, it's it's part of like the evolutionary advantages of being like a primate. But like a herd-based, uh, or let's say a bovid uh, on the planet, or or insects, uh, you have to wait uh, for the correct season in order for the for the environment to, to to kind of inform you. Right, the tau seem to operate more on that system. And the reason why that's important is because the population of the Commonwealth, in terms of the tau. Is remarkably low, Um, you know. Okay, you're in forty k. You're on a hive planet. uh, You're in a hive by itself. That building, that one structure, might have like ten billion people living in it. It's it's crazy numbers. And like everything in Warhammer, it's just like monolithic. It's huge. Um, I've seen uh, YouTube videos and 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 people that are that are better informed on imperial lore, and they say that the population of humanity is like three quintillion and that like 30% of them all live on Terra or in the solar system. Like it's crazy. I don't even know what those numbers mean. But if you look at the Tau and you look at and you you, you look at the early maps of the Tau Empire and you see that the populations of each of the septs is like a couple hundred thousand, maybe a few million. The it's it's remarked in the book Kill Team that the that the sept of Sakia the entire sept, so multiple star systems, multiple planets, all of them would equal to the population of a single hive. And we don't know what a hive is, you know, the, the population of a hive has has been said sometimes it's three billion, sometimes it's eight billion, sometimes it's twenty billion, you know, but an entire collection of star systems equate and and the, the densest populated sept equals to a single hive. Uh, later in the second and third codex, it also remarks that the Tau population was not able to, cons- to sustain a continued level of colonization in the first sphere, and that the gains that they made in the, se- uh, in the second sphere were done because they had an alliance with the crew. So there's the real population problem. We'll, we'll call it a problem. There's a real... There's just not enough Tau to do what the commonwealth has has decided it needs to be doing and that that that's one of the reasons why the auxiliaries are such a vital part of the tau military machine they need to be able to um they need to be able to have uh the just just the bodies to be able to accomplish uh everything that is uh that they set out to do so if you, if you had an engineered environment for procreation, you would probably solve that pretty quickly, um, unless there was some kind of biological, uh, let's call it ceiling, um, that prevents you from doing so. so. So again, so the Tao have a breeding program. And every birth that is, uh, every successful birth is then tracked. And that Tao, that, that female or male Tao, will have a job that they will then take uh, from another Tau who will age out. And this this system is 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 a necessity for how the seps individually determine what they they can do. So that breeding pro program becomes b- becomes a foundation for literally everything that a community of Tao uh, can basically plan for. And that's why you hear about like the fact that like Tashvar. Um, is still a frontier sept, and that's likely because even though it's been thousands of years, they probably still don't have enough bodies to colonize every world that's within the Tashvar Sept. Uh, That's also why it took decades for the third sphere to rev up and to have enough bodies to be able to then kind of expand outward uh, into, into imperial space again. Um, and that's why uh, people like myself are a little bit dubious about the notion that a fourth sphere and fifth sphere could then happen within like 12 years of each other, because that, that kind of feels like a fumble on the writer's part, uh, where just any colonial effort is just regarded as a sphere. A sphere is about 2,000 years of expansion. Um, the first sphere is is just a couple hundred years shorter than the second sphere, and the second sphere lasted for thousands of people, something, I think, I think 2,500 years, something like that. Um, the third sphere is remarkable because it lasted only about 8 to 12 years. And that's largely because the Tau, as they expanded into the Imperium, basically got the hammer down uh, from a combination of an Imperial Crusade and a chapter-sized force of space marines led by Cato Sicarius. So the expansion efforts and probably the body count made it so that the third sphere just couldn't keep going once they hit a certain body count that's it that there's no more expansion so so the breeding program now should start making more sense they need to know they need to have a definitive number of people that are going to fill in uh, a definitive number of roles in order to accomplish what a sept and the overall commonwealth is then going to do next because remember Without that faster-than-light communication, there is no central government. Like, Tao uh, itself, the, the home world, does not dictate what happens in Deyanoi or Dalith or Viorla. It, it just doesn't work that way. Every sept is almost like its own miniature country. Um, and so it has to manage itself accordingly. So, But that doesn't mean that romantic relationships then can't form. And the number one example of that is Shadow Sun shadow sun's father uh who was an extremely accomplished uh commander and who uh his name is kiru um and his bloodline goes back to the first sphere which again very interesting the tau still do value bloodlines um and we will do uh uh, another culture episode about how the tau also still have a tribe system like the like, people remember their, their tribal names uh, as much as they continue to, you know, join castes and stuff. like, You know, be part of the caste system and be part of new seps and everything. They do track their lineage. Kiru, uh, who was considered an, uh, an incredibly accomplished commander and, and was married to uh, a very famous warrior, uh, had three children, uh, Shadow Sun being the eldest of them. And they and and both parents actually raised their children, um, and that was that was a that was a a desire from the uh, from the fire cast as well as the ethereal cast that like whatever genius that Kiru had and perhaps his mu- and, and maybe the the fierceness that his mu- that his, that his wife had would somehow be absorbed by their their children, um, and it clearly did because all of them become high ranking. Uh, cast commanders in their own right and obviously shadow sun being the most important of uh of those three so again here's a perfect example of how it it is both the tau do have a creche system in which the community raised raise their children but that doesn't mean that they obliterate the importance of a familial relationship between mother father uh and and clearly they 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 have this they still have uh, connections to their sibling. Um, now, if we incorporate that with what we just talked about in terms of the bonding system um, or the bonding ritual, it's a it's a really it, it also gets interesting because uh, effectively what a talasiri is 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 a, a, an individual choosing a new family, um, and I think that uh, it got brought up in the last episode. Um, of the notion of the quote, uh, blood is thicker than water, and I, I believe it was Black Comet that said the full quote, which is the the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. That's that's where the the phrase uh, blood is thicker than water, and what it means is is that as you age and as you experience new things and as you make friends and relationships, the or, or as you fight in combat and bleed, the people that you bleed with, uh, the covenant that you make with them is going to be more important, or at least more impactful, uh, than the family that you were born into. And I think that there's no better example than the Talaseri ritual than uh, like that. That is the embodiment of that quote. So, but it can be both, and that's that's a that's a thing that I would love that for our community to strive to. Try to uh, understand when it comes to the tau is that it is both. It's not one or the other. Uh, the tau aren't insects. Of course, they can act like insects, but clearly they have extremely important uh, emotional connections as much as they have institutionalized uh, reproduction. Um, okay, so we're getting close to, and I promised Black Comet that I I would I would come out with a with a with a formal uh, stance on a topic that. that that comes up a lot whenever you talk about uh, Tau and procreation. So, okay. So Tau, biologically, are supposed to be like bovid, right? I've said that a couple times this episode, and I'll I'll probably continue. Um, You can read about it in Libra Xenologists. Um, And then, of course, uh, there are some space marine books in which they relate them very closely uh, to the idea that they are uh, herd creatures. Okay. So when it comes to procreation, First of all, the gestation cycle of a tau has never been stated uh, definitively, but it is most likely that, but, but what has been stated is, is it's effectively the life cycle of a tau. So procreation probably happens for the majority of tau in these paired bondings, uh, or, or excuse me, not paired bondings, in the, uh, in the breeding program. Um, I think that a step down from that is probably paired bondings uh, in terms of like a shadow son for example, with her father and mother. Uh, that's probably the second most common uh, way that procreation happens. And procreation likely if, if I follow the evolutionary model uh, is probably once or twice a year or, or a cycle for for an individual tau. Probably those but but then of course there there, there are there, is pleasure seeking activity in which we see Farsight and Shadow Sun together, um, which they are, they have sex and they, that's something that's totally normal. So there's no reason to think that the Tao don't uh, have recreational sexual activity. But if we get into the gestation cycle, it's probably very short. Um, I would say it's, uh, if, you, if you look at a Tao life cycle, uh, the Tao only sleep about two hours a day. They're mostly nocturnal. And if they are uh, bovine related, then they probably have like something like between like a three and five month gestation cycle. And the children that they have likely uh, but, uh, start walking, you know, within a couple minutes or a couple hours. Um, again, this is because, uh, at least in my opinion, based on the evidence that I have, uh, they are a prey species and uh, you have to uh, you have to get up and go very quickly. Um, if you're prey. So that being said, if they if they start walking fairly quickly, then they most likely have a very brief childhood and and a child like uh, to, to put it into human perspectives like childhood is basically like until you're around like eight or 10. And then after that, then then you can start kind of like, I mean, maybe there's some outliers, but generally speaking, like you're you're almost you're definitely useless. Uh, For five years of your life, like completely community, in order to get to survive, Um, the Tao probably don't have that. One, because their life cycle is significantly shorter, but also because it's been said that the Tao have an extremely robust immune system, um, and that's that's likely because they have a a a shorter child, call it like a youngling year. So I would say that there's probably uh, a cycle to two cycles where uh, using the vernacular of, of uh, tau years, uh, they're called tausir, um, it, it's likely that they they spend about two tausir in this stage, and then they're good to go. Um, we've seen numbers get thrown around all the time in terms of like what they do uh, in terms of like their time After that, I would say it's, it's most likely that they spend four of these tausir uh, in, in a Creche. Uh, being raised by the community, or being raised by their parents, or a combination of both, and then they probably enter in the uh, sal rank, so that's S A A L. That's that, that's before a la rank, um, and they probably spend between four and eight tausir, uh being a sal. And a sal, uh, you know, you're 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 effectively learning what's going to be your job. Uh, as As part of the cast that you're in, they're also grooming you for the positions that you'll most likely be. So that's where uh, you know that's where if you are if you're considered like an outlier, if you're a little bit like a if you're a thrill seeker, you might end up being uh, with Pathfinder training. Uh, if you end up just being like a bulldozer of a of a tau, you'll probably end up in the breacher core. So so all of these all of these different uh, things are discovered in that time. Now, if everything is cyclical uh, in this manner, it is likely, uh, and again, we're going to this position of a lot of, the, you know, it's not A or B; it's it's A B. It's it's probably both. Um, amidst all of this, uh, you have the question of then, what do Tau look like under their armor? And there's obviously uh, volumes of, of memes and 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 endless uh, fan art and, and stories uh, about, uh, I, I think there's one about like a Tao hooking up with a custodian, things like that. OK, I'm not going to comment on any of that stuff, because it's just silly, but it's sometimes funny. But whether the question of if, like, where do the biological differences of a female Tao and male tau uh, begin and end, and it's likely that we look, it, it's it, the, the, the easiest thing to look at first is the crest uh, or the nasal slit uh, on their head. So, female Tau have Y's, uh, regular Tau have I's, uh, capitalized. Um, and then, of course, you have the ethereal cast, which has this weird bone ridge um, that sets them apart from everybody else. But every Tau, no matter their cast, has those signifiers. Um, I would say that again, based on based on the evolutionary tract uh, of 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 being related to bovine, it is really difficult for a human being to tell the difference between uh, a male and female cow, for example. Um, you, the horns, right? Like that's it. Um, but in all likelihood, the only time that a female cow is going to have breasts um, and get anywhere near what the artwork kind of shows, uh, is probably only going to be when she is pregnant. And then most likely uh, after pregnancy and after the feeding years, it's unclear if the Tao do uh, nurture their own children. Again, I don't see why they wouldn't. Uh, the Tao are very traditional in terms of how they treat uh, future generations of, t- uh, of other tao there, There's no indication, for example, barring one example, uh, that the Tao clone themselves for, you know, uh, there's no indication that they have... Uh, external wombs. Uh, in fact, one of the things that uh, one of the hallmarks of the Firecast is that they do not allow drones to do all their fighting because it is their purpose to 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 be the to be the aspect of their culture that fights and dies for the cause. Um, all of this stuff, it again, it's very alien, but it's very traditional. And so I wouldn't I wouldn't think that the Tau, uh, you know, just have like. I don't know, like wall wombs or something, or like fish tank wombs. Likely, what happens is is that a female tau is is uh, goes through her gestation cycle, uh, has a baby, nurtures the baby for a certain amount of time, and then returns to duty. Uh, we'll call it like the Swedish model. Um, it's it's likely something closer to that. And then biologically, especially since we of the of, ever since they started introducing female tau on the miniature range. Uh, we haven't gotten any. There, there is no difference between uh, the carapace armor of both. Obviously, Games Workshop has plenty of examples of female uh, Eldar and humans who have, you know, form-fitting power armor, which you know has prominent boob armor. The Tau don't have that, so I would say uh, my stance would be: female Tau likely have uh, breasts or noticeable mammary glands only when they are uh, pregnant and sh- and then for a certain amount of time after they have a child. And then it, it probably just, I mean, we use the word shrivel, which sounds disgusting, and I apologize, but it probably shrivels back up and just becomes uh, indis- uh, almost completely the same as a male. Um, certainly not something that you would notice. Um, I don't know how much I have damned myself in having this opinion, but you know, you gotta let some episodes roll. I'll I'll put a I'll put a uh, uh, a warning at the beginning of this. <laughs> but that kind of brings us to what we know about procreation and reproduction for the Tao. And I think that it is fundamental in anybody that that wants to continue thinking about the Tao, especially from a we have this fan fiction writing contest going on on this channel. It is important to know how to see each other, and if we if we always hold up the idea that there is that every decision that is made uh, from procreation, which is one of the most important aspects of biological life, any advanced society is going to have. Uh, uh, Fertility rituals—they're going to have uh, emotional connections. Any successful society that that has been invented in science fiction, you know, has to have some level of that. Otherwise, otherwise you get the tyrannids right, or you get the arachnids from Starship Troopers, and so on and so forth. Like, you need the emotional connection, and you need to understand uh, emotional depth in order to make really good stories. And the Tao are brimming with examples. And I even think to a certain extent it gets really really interesting as you expand into uh, into further writings uh, that potentially there, there there is likely no stigma for how the Tao choose to have those relationships uh, the water cast member that uh, that, that has a tal uh, bond with a human there, there's no there's no nobody thinks it's unusual nobody thinks it's it's con- something that worthy of condemnation or critique and to me that indicates that tao society as a whole as long as every decision is being made to broaden the overall good of the community then it doesn't matter how it's done and that's both from an emotional perspective if you if you are if you have made an emotional or even a romantic connection to this other person be it a tao uh, or, or a tal of another caste, uh, or, or, a, or a human being, you can have that emotional connection. But remember that you 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 owe it to the community to continue uh, to continue improving it. And the only the only law that exists for procreation, uh, or excuse me, reproduction for, for reproduction, is that the castes do not intermix. And we quite frankly don't know why that is. And the only hypothetical that I'll entertain is that at the dawn of Tau society when the before the commonwealth before the spheres when the terrestrial planet of Tau was originally being fought for and tamed by this newly united species it must have been some kind of social engineering that the cultures you know and and remember you have the plain dwelling hunter types uh, that will eventually become the fire caste. You have the water and earth castes, which effectively are civilians. You know the, the the builders and the tradesmen, and then the the kind of really strange uh, messenger class uh, or messenger society that that uh, the, that will eventually become the air caste, who who could have had wings. Um, amidst all of these different societies, the fastest way for the proto ethereals or the early ethereals. Uh, to unite everybody by, was to basically say, these are the societies, you stick to your culture, we're not going to, we're not going to mess with, with the bleed over of, uh, of any kind of cross-social, uh, uh, let's call it colon- uh, uh, colonization, um, that everybody is going to stay in the society that you're in right now, and what you do, what your society does, will be what your caste does. And to put it in human terms, that would be like um, nobody makes cuckoo clocks better than the, the than the Swiss, you know, or nobody makes a nobody makes a complex combustible engine as good as the Germans. So now, now that we're a united human species, that's what Germany does. Germany makes engines. That's what they do. They're not going to they're not going to go over and like you know build a better bicycle they're going to do they're going to build engines. Um, and that's effectively what happened in the po- very early post montau uh, tau history. And I would even I would hypothesize that that is what allowed the tau to unlock the capacity to advance in themselves. Instead of worrying about what they were going to be or what they were going to do, they they basically shed that part of their society and instead adopted the greater good. Um, that's not to say that they gave up individuality, but their individuality was effectively dictated to by necessity. And there's a really great quote, and what I'll, I'll, I'll end with, uh, there's a really great conversation that happens between a water-cast envoy uh, in one of Fahavari's, uh books, um, I believe, I believe it could be fire and ice. Uh, I'll post it after this. But the Tau, a, a Tau envoy, is talking to a human inquisitor, um, or at least a high-ranking human official, and the Tau kind of pities humanity. And they're talking about the Eldar at first, that the Eldar were brought to the edge of extinction uh, through, you know, obviously the Tau doesn't really understand this, but basically through the through the birth of Slanesh the Eldar were brought to the edge of extinction. And then humanity was brought to the edge of extinction uh, multiple times, but most recently with the Horus Heresy. But both times, in the case of the Eldar and the case of humanity, basically too many people survived. Too many people had a chance to get away. And as a result, the lesson of extinction was never taught to either of them. But the Tao, who from their earliest you know written for the from their earliest history they were brought to the point of extinction they're they're you know they they, uh their society was being riddled by plagues they were massacring each other the final you know city that represented uh you know the next step in civilization was under attack by basically everyone uh from the previous uh version of civilization um you know the the city dwellers were being murdered by the by the nomads and that it was at that point that moment of this is this is how it's going to end we're go- there's, there's too many of us dying of too many different things that the Tao basically looked at extinction looked on the abyss and realized they had to get their shit together in order to survive and that in this it's a really great excerpt uh, i will try to find it and post it but the author basically summarizes why the Tao are the way that they are, is that they have seen extinction, they have witnessed what it would be like to just not exist as a species anymore. And now they are doing what they need to do in order to survive. And that is the greater good. So, uh, I think that's good for uh, today. Um, uh, Would anybody, does anybody have, uh, as always, I, I, I open up for questions. Um, I hope I haven't offended anybody. I know that uh, we started off, I think, with like ten or, or fourteen people, and now we're down to six. I hope, hope nobody is. Uh, I know it's a sensitive issue. Uh, it's a sensitive uh, discussion, but um, yeah. Uh, Ellie, yeah, uh, please come up. Hey. does that work? Yeah, Hello. That work? Hello.
1: Um, I I find this topic really interesting, mostly just because the Tao has sort of this really gray area where it's. Exp- forward, and we kind of almost know how it works, but we don't. Like, I don't think there's much on the species like the Eldar or like the Kroot or stuff like that. And then obviously we know how it works for humans. Um, but like, the Tower, kind of this interesting thing where you said they're like bovins, so they're sort of mammalian and human, but they have all these different things going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also wanted to comment, I found it funny that you said uh, normal Tau when referring to male Tau.
0: Oh, I did do that, didn't I? Well... <laughs> I will, uh, Redrix will help me, and we will obliterate that from history, um, and that won't happen, uh, again. Sorry about that. It's all right. I just, like, that's
1: the kind of thing that yeah definitely be misconstrued.
0: Yeah, for sure. There's, there's uh, only
1: definitely... male town. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, it is, it is interesting though. we don't, you know, it, I mean, okay, the topic of both sexuality but also gender right now is such a, is, is, is such a topic In our in our culture today, and uh, yeah, I'm like a walking monument to that. (laughs) And and you know what, I'm I'm I think I'm a little bit older than most of the people uh, in this uh, in this group, and uh, I do still you know I do still struggle with uh, I I get I I struggles not a not a uh, struggle sounds too negative. I I am accustomed to the vernacular of a previous decade, and it's something that I, I do want to very much improve on. Um, saying normal for a perfect example or, or i mean uh, there's that joke about like uh the doctor in the and and uh, you know or not the joke maybe it's a maybe it's a proverb but like the the or the riddle that like uh that the doctor ends up being the mother and you know the assumption is is that the, a doctor can only be a male anyway uh it's it's complicated and definitely things go bump and uh, and definitely my generation, when compared to the, the 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 awesomeness of the younger generations that are coming up, uh, things things are improving. I'll use the word improving so so quickly that it is sometimes hard to track. But I do think that the Tao are this like like if there was ever like a silver platter for Games Workshop to be on the morally. On the up and up, on on the on the inclusive side of things, I know that that word is is sometimes divisive, but like the Tao are such a great place to start because in all likelihood, they just they just don't. It's not an issue for them. Like every every form of uh, uh, let's call it like alternative uh, culture to what we have in the real world uh, is completely normalized. I use that word normalized in Tao culture. Like, it's probably everything is is just as long as you put everything aside and you keep making sure that you're going toward a greater good. Uh, and 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 part of the greater good is making sure that you're not uh, hurting other other people. This comes up a lot in like Facebook conversations where it's like people say like, oh well, you know, if you don't join the Tao, they'll conquer you. And it's like, first of all, there's no examples of that. There's the like. We have, like, the, the earliest, the, the first contact scenario with the Tau and the Nikasar, we don't actually know why they fought each other. But the Tau did fight the Nikasar. The Nikasar did sue for peace, basically. And, and then the Nikasar joined the Tau. That's the first example of an alien race joining with the Tau. Um, when you, and keep in mind, the Nicosar are, are a galaxy-spanning species, you know? When the Kroot joined the Tau... Uh, they do so out of almost like a sense of uh, like like debt. Um, the Tao saved the Kroot civilization from being basically curb stomped by the orcs. Um, you know, it's the Tao, by their nature are are inclusive. they 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 look they they're really like horrified by the fact that the Kroot, uh eat the dead. You know like that's a real that's a shocker for them like you know at the end of the battle like the crew will be like okay so I'm gonna go eat these <laughs> eat yeah. these corpses you know on the tower like gee g- okay fine like do it but like, maybe, <laughs> like the tower you know, just like what <laughs> uh, yeah you know and, and the t- i don't think the towel really i don't think anybody really it's always it's always remarkable how little the species know about each other, like like so. For example, like the Tau can't tell the difference between Dark Eldar and Craftworld Eldar, um, and regular humans can't tell the difference between Chaos Space Marines and regular Space Marines, unless you know Sans Tentacles. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but it's but it's just it's 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 such an opportunity. I feel like for Games Workshop to just be like, here's an example of a utopian society where. Yes, they still have their grim darkness here and there, and I, I am I'm a full advocate for for grim dark tau. But when it comes to all of the other problems that human society struggles with in 40k and in real and in the real world, like the tau, it's that's that's like water off a of duck's butt. Like they're totally open to every every species uh, and every and every form of expression that exists. So, I'll, I'll do better, Ali. Thank you. Thank you for catching that.
1: It's alright. It's just a little thing. Um, Every- I guess. Also, my other thought was um, misplaced a bit because I thought of something else when you mentioned that the the sands tentacles thing. I thought of an v- obscure uh space marine chapter. I know we don't talk about <laughs> space marines. <laughs> <the house>, <laughs> no, no, no. We can a, talk about we, inevitably is,
0: we talk about space marines because it's yeah, 40K.
1: Because it's Okay, no. Yeah, go for there it. There is okay. a um, there's this whole thing called the cursed founding, which is probably one of my favorite bits of space marine lore. Which was like basically the first try at Primera Space Marines that went really, really crappily. Mm-hmm. Um and one of these chapters, a lot of them have fallen to Chaos, but one of the loyalist ones is a Salamander successor called the Black Dragons. Right. And right. they grow like bones and stuff. They're like bones that grow out of their skin and things like that. And right, they've right, been right. Chaos Space Marines, I think three times in canon. <laughs> which I think is <laughs> hilarious.
0: Um but, Yeah. I mean like an inquisitor lord on terra itself did not know that there were 18 primarchs like it, it's 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 such a it's such a perfect part of this of this universe that like the people living inside of it know not even like probably 5% of what everybody in this room knows about like no i mean obviously it gets a little bit tenuous with like the dark angels but like nobody knows that the dark angels are uh, that half of them fell to chaos uh, at the end of the heresy, you know? Um, yeah. A- anyway, it's great. It's great. The ignorance
1: great. of the 40K universe of itself it's is the, it's the best. super fun. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent.
0: Uh, I'm going to invite Joyce up. Thank you so much, Ella. Uh, this is your first time, right?
1: Yeah, it's the first time I've actually caught one of these. I've listened to all the episodes, but this is the first one I've caught life.
0: Well, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Uh, I think Joyce, I saw you next. I'll just go down the list. It'll be Black Comet next and then Neovo. Joyce, you there?
2: Yeah, I'm here. Perfect. So, I'm wondering this thing. So, when it comes to reproduction, do the councils of the other species also determine that? Or is it like is this really
0: independently, de- depending on the individual, from other client species? Mm-hmm. So, So, that's a great question. So we know that the Earthcast monitors the breeding program for the Tau uh, as a species. Right. Uh, And it seems like what they're doing is making sure that the best genes pair up with each other. But it's also, again, because they don't have a very extensive uh, faster-than-light network. uh, Again, I I, uh, am of the school that the Tau uh, have skip drives, um, because anything slower than that, and you can't have an interstellar empire. That fights against inter- uh, the FTL civilizations, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I would say they probably keep it local. So uh, very similar to Star Trek uh, or early Star Trek, where you have these you know these giant expo- exploration ships that have schools and have farms and have like all of these things crammed onto one ship. Uh, the Tau Explorer class, uh, also called the Galith, uh, is is a is an enormous vessel and it's a colonization ship. Uh, it has both uh, active, uh, an active crew, uh, an active population of of tau of every cast on board, but it also uh, they also typically have uh, cryogenically frozen populations that are waiting to get to a destination. Hmm. So, so it's it's my understanding that the Earth cast will like almost do uh, very much how like in other sci-fi universe when we're like, how are we going to colonize Mars or Alpha Centauri or things like that? Like all of the, that gene pool that's available is then paired with each other. And then there's no obligation between the individuals to then have a, a relationship after that. Um, and I think that most likely if there is a relationship that comes after that, then they, they help raise the child. Yeah. Uh, as, is, as is the example in Black Tide with, uh, with the Earthcast Pair bonded individuals uh, in the introduction, um, but uh, but if they, there is no if there is no relationship that's going to be there, then the child has been grown by the by the community and probably by the it's 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 probably by a mixed bag, um, and then as as they get as they uh, mature, they then uh, go to the assigned caste that they were born into. Remember that the tau do not um, don't don't uh, breed between the castes. Not yeah. even in the not in, not even in the enclaves, uh, and then uh, and then after that they they uh, that they, they're probably a subspecies. It's probably like how uh, you know you you have like um, chimpanzees, gorillas, and spider monkeys. Like that's probably how we should view the tau. Like they, they're very distinct, and they they probably probably couldn't procreate anymore. Yeah. Now to answer your second question, I do think that there is a level of population control. Not to the extent that, the I mean we all I think everybody knows about the sterilization rumors um, that came out of Dawn of War. Um, oh there's, yeah. also, there, uh, there's also the more recent uh, Fantasy Flight uh, uh, information that indicates that the Tau are uh, amongst the Guella, so not the Gwevessa. Uh, the, they are they are like taking direct management of human population uh, and limiting it. But again, but. Again, I and, I and I know that I know that procreation, reproduction, all romance, all of this stuff is it can get really, really touchy, really fast. Right. But but I but I do not think the Tao view reproduction in the kind of uh, the elevated way that humanity does. And yeah, and when it doesn't you,
2: have to be like forced. There's also like you know reproductive rights, for example.
0: Right. And that's exactly. kind of like
2: another part of the question I want to ask. Is like. Was there is there any part in the lore where there's, like, indicative of, like, contraceptives being spread by the towel?
0: Oh, wow. Uh, no, there is no indications of that. But, yeah, that would also make a lot of sense. What there is examples of uh, is that effectively the—so the towel live in a post-scarcity uh, uh, society, which means that everybody has a job, that, you know, they do not have homelessness. Uh, they do they do the the every single person has a purpose uh everybody has a job everybody has a function and within those three things everybody is also provided uh housing food uh nobody nobody suffers from uh the inequality of of a of a, of a, of a civilization that 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 still has scarcity so in in order for the Tao to be able to upkeep that that almost impossible balance between everything. There is a level of control that they do enforce on both their own population and, as of now, only the human population. And they, the example that I have is is that they sometimes just separate the the genders. So the female the females will will go in one place and the males will go in the other, and that seems to be the only way that. And it is a hypothetical because uh it it only comes up in the dawn of war tau victory ending um like the rumor is that they're that they're sterilizing people but in the same in the same video the guy then says but it's most likely just because they separated the genders like that's it um simultaneously the tau are a a colonial hungry nation state they want to be colonizing things as i stated before they, 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 they themselves have a, prop, a problem with making a big enough population. So, most likely, if you reached a point where, let's say, a human, a was going to be born, and the bean counters of the Earthcast took a look at, you know, well, we're, we're looking at the next 50 years, and this, this baby is not going to have a job, is not going to have, uh, there's not going to be enough food to go around, and he's gonna he's gonna go uh, the baby's gonna go hungry. Um, the conclusion might be, and maybe this this actually informs how seps are are made, is that once once a colony reaches a certain capacity, it might it might become a sept and petition its whatever sept colonized it to to basically have like we have the we have the numbers now and we have a distinct culture. We want to be called our own thing, and, and that is what Tashvar is, right? So when tashvar then reaches a certain level of its own population density, it might go like, okay, we have, we're, we're fully developed. We're now having a surplus population of Guevessa, of Tau, of Crute, of Vespid, whatever. We're going to put everybody into one of these Galith vessels, and we're going to send them to a planet that we've earmarked for colonization. And that might that 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 for me that's more likely what happens than just straight up. I first of all I think sterilization is, it's that's just like a bingo word. You know that's just something. It's an easy way of saying uh the tower evil, you know, like, yeah, and everyone recognizes it as something being forced upon people usually exactly, exactly yeah. uh, I do but I do think population control does happen. you know, I do think certain you know if there's too many tau, there might be a a year that goes by where nobody's allowed to have babies, you know I can see uh, that. yeah, that that I totally get behind um and some people might be horrified at the notion of you know limiting somebody's reproductive rights. So. All, right.
2: All right, thank you so much, Calm Sword. Um, I'm gonna let another person come up. However, Avenue for fan fiction, could be
0: fun. All right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Joyce. Nice to see it. Uh, Black Comet, I'm gonna invite you up. Okay, Black Comet, I'm gonna bring Mavo up. If you're if you're busy, Mavo. Oh. Oop, you both came up at the same time yeah okay. it, for I some reason
2: <laughs> yeah for some um uh, there's some for some reason sometimes when you invite people up that little green except declined it never pops up oh i
0: feel like way late oh okay i'll keep that in yeah. mind Th- thanks for telling me but uh uh neva if you wouldn't mind la- yeah exactly perfect black comet uh yeah uh what's that okay uh
2: a couple of things one i thought anything about when we talk about the earthcast being Count that. So, do you think they like have a like a quota? Well, it's like, like I said, two things, about do you think they keep a their cast be like keep a quota of like, okay, we got so much of this cast, this cast, and this cast?
0: Hmm, that's an interesting how, question.
2: Like, um, so how many how many casts can we afford to have on this planet before we have to like, um, tell everybody to wear a condom for the next few years?
0: <laughs> um, okay, so a uh, good question. Um, as of right now, um and i don't know it's an interesting thing that came up uh when we were studying when we were uh prepping for the uh farsight enclave uh episodes so in the enclaves they have dedicated uh, farsight for some reason um or perhaps at least his military council has made uh of the four planets that make up the enclave let's call it the sept um each planet is kind of dedicated to one cast and I've always thought that that's really unfortunate. Like, a lot of people think of Farsight as the, uh, as this, like, you know, is the noble, bright hero. And I find that, uh, I find that the segregation of giving a planet completely over to the management of one caste over another is actually incredibly uh, dystopian. Um, and, and even, uh, even kind of uh, medieval, you know, especially when you find out that a military council rules over, uh, all these other, uh, all these other casts, like like uh, the the fire yeah. cast is in complete control. So yeah. that's, that's what it's like in the enclaves. Every world of the Commonwealth and every sept that we have an example of has a tendency of leaning toward one cast or another. So for example, the most obvious one is Viorla. Viola, Viola uh, is it just seems to have a like it seems to have. A a uh, a larger firecast population, and we don't actually know why that is, and it's and in fact it might be something worth stu- like trying to figure out or hypothesizing about. But but like Tuolka um, is known for its uh, the, the 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 ethereal cast, right? And um, and then we have like uh, a breakdown of that that like uh, the Tashvari breacher teams are known to be the best in the Commonwealth, so. So every, I think every sept and every world has, by necessity, has to have representation from every caste. That's okay. not the that's not the case with like outposts. Um, the air casts seem to man those independently, uh, but and and obviously the air cast can't live on terrestrial bodies without being in a lot in, in severe pain. So so they they're you know these giant orbital cities that exist uh, over places like De Ionoi, um, they probably, you know, that's, that's probably exclusive to the aircast. In fact, I would say it, it is exclusive to the aircast, but when it comes to the, the terrestrial colonies, I think the, the other forecast, the, uh, the ethereals, the, you know, the watercast, the earthcast, and the firecast have some form of representation. Now, something to remember and something, you know, whenever somebody says like, oh, well, mind control, um, Remember that the ethereal caste is numerically the smallest of the castes, and they don't, And because the other castes hold them in such reverence and are so worried about them, and they should be, um, because over the course of the last 270 years, uh, ethereals have been specifically targeted by the enemies of the Commonwealth. Um, the Dark Eldar, for example, um, the, Imperi- the, the Imperium itself. The Imperium has sent two kill teams into Tau's faith to specifically... Capture ethereals, and they've been successful at it. Um, so, either by their own uh, by by their own decision, but more likely the decision of the firecast, ethereals are not allowed to go to outlier colonies or or smaller colonies. And those colonies have to basically prove a level of security before the before they'll allow a uh, an ethereal to visit. And the best example of that. Is uh, is Kaurabha, um, the planet that uh, is depicted in the Dawn of War games uh, when they introduced the Tau, the Tau had a colony there for a hundred years before the first ethereal stepped on the planet, and that's something really important to keep in mind when when thinking about like like just planet you know planet populations and sept populations um, there is a difference. And, uh, and most likely the balance, a hundred percent the balance is kept by the earth cast to make sure that, that, that that's there. But if a planet for some reason is just more, has more opportunities for one cast or another, they will become, they, they'll, they'll kind of rise to the to, to the top to kind of dictate what the culture is um, a little bit. Um, does that answer your question, Black Uh
2: Yes, and um, can I ask one more, a shorter one or? Sure, sure, i uh, um... yeah, sorry. How open are the town are be when it comes to relationships?
0: How open? What do you mean? Hmm? What, sorry. What What does open mean?
2: Uh,
0: oh, like um,
2: species, gay stuff like. That.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, okay. So, this is just my personal opinion. Obviously, Games Workshop has never published anything on this specifically. And again, uh, I, I just. Wanted- no, no, no. Yeah. It's yeah. a great que- no, no no, it's a great question. It's a great question. I'll answer it. I just I have to have a preamble before somebody, you know, I uh, yeah. I don't want anybody to get upset. Uh, but I would say, based on my understanding of the Tao, um, I would say again, any anything that makes an individual happy uh, within 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 the Commonwealth, be it uh, an alien species, uh, or or the Tao themselves. I think everything is is embraced so long as two things are kept in mind one that relationship is somehow furthering the greater good and the second rule is that it's not infringing upon the ability for another species to uh, to be successful uh, so for example, um, uh, let's say the vespid. Uh, there's a really great uh, uh, excerpt in Lieber's Xenologist about the vespid and how uh, this particular vespid is actually lamenting the loss of his culture because the city that he lived in, the the, the vespid city, uh, you know, kind of like float, they live in these floating islands, uh, has basically been completely given over to the to the Tao uh, manufacturing and military war machine. Um, and he's lamenting that. So, so that, but, but, but that decision furthers the greater good. You, you see what I mean? Um, and that's a decision that his society has made. Uh, over, over, over rejecting. You know, um, when it comes to individual relationships, the same thing goes. If your, if your relationship with, and we see the, the water cast envoy and the human soldier. They clearly have an extremely emotional relationship, a connection to each other. Now, whether or not it's sexual, I don't know. Probably, probably, <laughs> prob, probably not. I would say. Um, I I don't think that Warhammer Forty Thousand is Star Trek, where you have a lot of interspecies, uh, uh, you know, uh, ha- having like hybrids and stuff. I just don't. I, I think it's a different genre. I think it's a different yeah. a different type of universe. But I what I what I would stress is that emotional relationships relationships almost that that are that are probably rarer than romantic relationships likely exist between uh the tau between themselves between the castes, as well as uh as well as with their auxiliaries uh with with the crew i i think it's totally like and you can even see it in the rules like angkor proc who is the hero of his species uh, in his rules, he was allowed to lead units of Tau. That's insane. That would be like an Imperial Guardsman leading a unit of
2: uh, Space Marines.
0: Space Marines. Yeah. I mean, that it's it's insane. And and we can extrapolate the, the the essence of that tabletop rule with. I mean, game designers are like brilliant, genius people. They they saw the Tau and saw that that rule would be a really cool thing that exemplifies an aspect of their society, that they allow aliens to lead them. And, and we can see in Broken Sword that there is a Gweb SIO, uh, a former inquisitor who is leading a squad of crisis suits. You know, that's, it's just, it's it's nuts. So, the, I think, so I, yeah. So, I, to, I, so the quick answer to your question is just, I think that everything goes so long as it's furthering the community. Okay, thank you. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Neva? Hey. So-
3: Hi. Hey. I just wanted to, to say I had no idea what I was walking into here. Um, <laughs> I have not, I didn't know there was a series. I didn't know there was anything. I kind of joined and went, wait, what? And, but I, I, I kind of got hooked. Um, mm. The conversation overall is, is interesting from a macroeconomic kind of perspective. Um, when you say it's a post-scarcity society, a whole bunch of base precepts that we have in our own confirmation bias turned mm-hmm. on the ear yeah absolutely. so so what we what we end up looking at is um, a situation where you can easily think that there is a disconnect entirely between interpersonal relations and procreation mm. so what we're looking at here is a situation where just because you know you, you have a relationship, even a personal one, a physically interactive one, does not necessarily denote procreation is even mm-hmm. something involved. If you look at a post scarcity society, the things that have to be achieved to be able to get there, mm-hmm. you're in a situation where they can easily manage their population because there's no such thing as birth control. There's no such thing as as uh, an unmanaged pregnancy or uh, or anything like that. It's literally just whatever the choices are. And because of the fact that there is this giant edict of the greater good that governs everything, I love like the Star Trek mentality of each person's personal development is their goal, mm-hmm. but their goal is in support of the greater good. Mm-hmm. It, it very much denotes a different perspective than than how we would generally conceive of and literally conceive of procreation
0: yeah no, so that's... it
3: I, I i sort of when you when you look at it and from that perspective it's sort of it, the, the 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 next generation and the parenting and that sort of thing is all by choice there's no necessity involved it's all whether it's the the right thing or the wrong thing to do and there's going to be a lot of different perspectives ones that we like like we said before when when the tao look at the the crew and go okay what (laughs) but uh, a lot of things that that are going on uh you know we 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 have that same disconnect when it comes to the tao we we would we would have to really disconnect and say if if there's a fire warrior who uh, sorry the uh, the 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 bonding ritual uh,
0: yeah yeah yeah
3: yeah so so the bonding ritual denotes a relationship of significant connection, but not necessarily in emotional or relational, but it's it is of a sort you can almost call it like a coworker that you have a great deal invested with exactly you know it's it, you can even take that as far as a, a full on relationship that lasts for a very long time but that doesn't ever necessarily need to denote that procreation or reproduction is ever involved in a post scarcity in a society you're you're dealing with a variety of different things that just disconnect you know it's a source of yeah. a source of food for us is intimately connected with our performance and our ability to to be a, a you know a, a highly successful individual in our network, that doesn't matter in a post scarcity environment. None of that matters in a post scarcity environment. Yeah, it, it's it's all to do with you know what the edicts of the society are. And as a second observation, going back to the sort of the perspective internally on these things for, between the different societies, you know in the Imperium. They say that knowledge is dangerous, and they, you know, people are supposed to be as dumb as possible, right? Yeah. They, yeah, you
0: know, ignorance is a shield, right? Yeah, yeah,
3: exactly. So, so there's this whole behavior around, you know, of course they're not going to recognize occultists or or a, or or a chaos or something in their midst because they're literally walking around with the tightest blinders they can function with. Right. You know, they just can't conceive of things outside their, their, what, what little they know of the world. Whereas if you take that same perspective and you say, okay, everything in the greater good is all they think of. It's, it it is this hugely, it's almost hive mind esque. This this uh, a, a, just a complete acceptance that all activity and all behavior is in support of the greater good. So it's 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 not cult level. It's just a complete understanding of their purpose. Right. That right. that they don't have to worry about anything else. So they are entirely set upon what is good. And hey,
0: and, no, and, that, and I think. Huh? No, and, and I, that's a that's a that's a fantastic observation. And I would just I would marry it to one of our previous episodes, which we talked about how this what exactly what your observation is 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 that the the uh, the society ultimately then incubates itself from invasion. So there are no ca- secret chaos cults amongst the Tao, and what few I mean I believe there's only two examples of Gene Stealer cult activity both are both can only thrive out in the middle of you know out in the the the, the wilderness space uh, of the commonwealth um because it wouldn't function in the heart you, know, you have you have gene cults uh, you know on probably a, on a, a a frighteningly large percentage of imperial hive worlds just because they can get lost in the mix but in a tao society Everybody would just look at you and be like, "Why are you acting like that? Like, why are you doing that? Why are you?" And this is in the description in the cult codex. Uh, why are you taking your child and like bringing it away from the rest of us? Like, why are you doing that? You know. And in that question, they incubate themselves from from being but from being hijacked by uh, by uh, parasite societies. So. Cool great observation I really I know this is your first uh, this is your first uh, uh, visit to to Tau talks
3: yeah I, I had no idea they even happened I just <laughs> I, I saw the invite come up and, and I'm like oh my discord's going off and they clicked the button and suddenly I was in the chat and I went okay yeah. I roll with this <laughs>
0: <laughs> well uh, well excellent excellent to have you and, and, and to say uh, your name is nievo
3: at uh, nevo nevo to nevo.
0: Perfect. Perfect. Well, it was a pleasure to have you, a, and I actually am really happy that we can end this Tao talk on your observations. Um, really great stuff. I hope I hope to see you uh, and everybody else uh, uh, for for next week's uh, for next week's episode. Uh, yeah, hit me up. <laughs> we'll do. We'll do. Absolutely. Um, all right. Well, that that brings us to the end of uh, the end of uh, procreation and reproduction. Um, I hope that we will. Um, I hope that everybody had a good time uh and uh yeah uh Redrix, uh anything from you not that i'm oh, oh. if I, if redrix would actually what hmm? if i would what no, no 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 i just i i first like, i thought maybe you, <laughs> i saw your message that you uh stepped away. I, yeah, no, you're um, fine. but perfect we'll uh we'll have the episode up uh soon and last week's episode um uh is imminent so thank you everybody for coming and uh, again if you have any recommendations uh, for topics. Uh, if you yourself uh, would like to do some research um, and do your own uh, mini episode, you're, you're more than welcome. Uh, today, I can't spend uh, time in the Tax lounge, but I invite everybody to go there and talk about what, what we did today. So have a good one. Uh, thank you so much again, uh, and see you next week. Hey, everybody. So in light of some of the things that have been going around on the internet, we just wanted to make sure that it's very clear that this podcast is in no way affiliated with Games Workshop or any of their copyright. Um, This is entirely fan-made, and we do so for the benefit of the community. Um, Join us next week. And don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us. If you... Uh, are interested in joining our part of the community you can come to the discord channel tau40.000 we all look forward to seeing you there it's a good it's a good place especially if you want to argue about tau blood color